0: Hey guys, welcome back to Pop Culture Confidential. I'm Christina Yerling Biro. We are continuing our massive Oscar week leading up to Sunday here on the show. And yes, we are coming at you from all angles. Your Oscar ballot will be a winner. Earlier this week, New York Times film and awards season reporter Cal Buchanan and I brought you our predictions. But what if there is another way? What if you can win your Oscar pool through just pure math, analytics, and good old-fashioned statistics? Ben Zosmer, Philadelphia born and bred, majored in applied math at Harvard University and was then drafted to the Los Angeles Dodgers as manager of their baseball analytics. But he also applied his math brain to his passion, the movies, and he's created a model that predicts the Oscars. And his predictions have been published in The Hollywood Reporter, The New York Times, The Washington Post, to name a few. Ben Zosmer is the author of the new book, Oscar Metrics, The Math Behind the Biggest Night in Hollywood. Now, first, we talk a bit about his method, and then we get into his predictions, or maybe I should say what the math says about who will win the Oscars on Sunday. Ben, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. So before we get into the math and statistics of the whole thing, you studied applied math at Harvard, but was Oscars and movies a particular interest of yours?
1: I've always been a big movie fan. I've watched every Best Picture nominee for the last decade, and Going back, I've seen every Best Picture winner since the beginning of the Oscars, but it wasn't until I got to college that it dawned on me I could maybe put these two interests together, and that's where this all got started.
0: Now, is this a true story that one of the first times you realized that you had a good method on your hand had something to do with none other than Meryl Streep?
1: That's right. It was actually the first year I predicted the Oscars. It was the 2012 Oscars following the 2011 film season, and Best Actress that year was a tight race between Meryl Streep for the Iron Lady and Viola Davis for the help. Uh, many predictors online had Viola Davis. Turned out the math gave Meryl Streep just the slightest bit of an edge. And when the envelope was open, Meryl Streep was the winner. And at that moment, uh, I had a real feeling that maybe math really could help in predicting the Oscars.
0: Okay, so, so briefly, can you explain to someone like me with what can I say, subpar math skills. What is it you actually did there? What do you do?
1: Uh, So what I do is I've gathered a bunch of data on every nominee and on historic nominees. So going back a couple decades of the Oscars, data such as other Guild Awards or other award shows or Rotten Tomatoes scores or the betting markets, which other categories you're nominated in. Anything that I can take and put into a number that I can put into ones and zeros, I gather data on it and I use statistics to figure out which of these factors have done the best job in the past of predicting the Oscars. The factors that have done a better job in past seasons get more weight for this year's nominees. You add up all the weights and convert it to percentages. And that's how I get the chance that every 2020 nominee wins an Oscar on Sunday night.
0: Okay. So what are some of the best predictors? Is it the guild awards?
1: Yes. So it varies by category. Uh, But in general, the Guild for each category tends to be a very good predictor. So we're talking the Directors Guild for Best Director, the Screen Actors Guild for the Acting categories and so on. Uh, The BAFTAs as well, which were just held in London this past Sunday, uh, tend to be a very good predictor across the board as well. Uh, The Golden Globes are one of the more prominent predictors of the Oscars. They don't have quite the track record that the BAFTAs do, but in some categories they can be strong as well.
0: So just to explain, that that's because it's the guild members who actually are part of the academy. So they're voting there as well. That's why, I guess, right?
1: Exactly. It's really two reasons. One is exactly what you're saying is that you have this overlap between the voters for these guild awards, and then they turn around and vote for the same things in the Oscars. Uh, The other is that these are just people who tend to know their craft really well. So the members of the Writers Guild tend to be experts on what makes for writing a good screenplay. Uh, and so it's not a surprise to see that those screenplays often, but not always, go on to win the Oscar.
0: Right. So, but the BAFTAs, that's the sort of the British Oscars. What's the overlap there between the Academy?
1: There is some, but certainly less than some of the larger guilds, such as the Screen Actors Guild. They tend to be a good predictor, not so much because there's a huge overlap, but simply because there are a lot of film experts, people that have worked in the industry, people that honestly pride themselves on predicting the Oscars. And so many times they're voting in accordance with how they think their counterparts in Hollywood are going to vote.
0: Something that surprised me in your book is that box office is not much of a predictor, you say.
1: That's right. Uh, The films that are more popular and the films that are more popular among Academy voters are not always the same film. There are some exceptions, of course you know, Titanic won in 1997 or the third Lord of the Rings six years later. Uh, But by and large, box office really does not play much of a role in my model uh, because it just hasn't done a great job historically of predicting the Oscars. Now, this year, Joker is up for best picture. It was a major box office success. It passed a billion dollars worldwide. And if that were to win, perhaps it would start a bit of a trend towards the box office and the Oscars being a little more closely married. But... At the moment, no, there's not a strong relationship.
0: Okay, we're going to soon hear what you think is are the predictions for this year. But first, what about the other factors like um, uh, age, you know, age, actors' ages and things like that? We talk about that generally sort of there's the ingenue female best supporting actress and that type of thing and likability or career achievement, those type of other factors.
1: They do play a role. So I actually talk about the age factor in the book. Uh, career achievement as well, and right, the stereotypes of which types of roles uh, Hollywood is willing to award female actors versus male actors for tend to be true. Uh, A lot of the female winners tend to be on the younger side, especially in supporting actress, whereas best supporting actor, the winners tend to be on the older side. Uh, As far as career achievement, one that comes up a whole lot, there is approximately a 5% boost I found in the book. Uh, for those nominees that have repeatedly been nominated over and over again, but have yet to win an Oscar. We could see that this year. Uh, Brad Pitt has never won an acting Oscar. Joaquin Phoenix has never won an Oscar of any type. Both of them, uh, and we'll talk about this in a bit, but both of them are strong contenders Front this
0: Frontrunners, right, right. And what about playing real people? That seems to me like something that often is a good predictor.
1: Yes, uh, and the common perception there is indeed accurate. The statistics bear that out, that if you play a real person, you are more likely to win uh, than if you play a fictional character. It's not such a huge boost that it would, say, knock Joaquin Phoenix down after he wins every award in creation. But it is something that can help actors by just that much along the way in a close race.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um- I thought maybe you could explain a particular uh, thing that happened last year, and that was that Glenn Close won everything, every single um, precursor award, every Guild Award, everything. She just seemed to be on a roll. And then all of a sudden, seemingly out of nowhere, Olivia Colman won the Oscar. Um, What happened there?
1: That is a great question. And honestly, it's the sort of question that can be really difficult for math to answer. Uh, Because really what math is doing is figuring out who the favorites are and how much they're favored by. Uh, And there's no doubt that because of all those wins throughout award season, Glenn Close was the favorite. She was previously 0 for 6 going into that evening. Uh, And Olivia Colman pulled off the upset. The Oscars don't release individual votes. They don't even release vote totals. They just tell us who won. And so without that more granular information, it's hard to say why the upsets occur. All we know is that that's what makes it exciting.
0: Yeah. So you think that there's certain things that math can't answer and those are just sort of passion or, or what people are, you know, that they like that movie better than the other one, even though they liked Glenn Close?
1: Uh, ultimately, I think that there's two types of questions when it comes to Oscar prediction. One is what was the best movie or direction or performance, something along those lines. And the other is how do we think this group of voters will behave? The first type of question really is beyond the realm of math, in my opinion. Uh, Measuring art is extremely subjective. You can't put a number and say, this was better than that. It's why we love movies. It's because they speak to us in ways that are very qualitative, not quantitative. Uh, Estimating how a group of voters will behave, that's squarely within the realm of math. That's the sort of thing that math can be really good at because it can strip away all the human biases and just get down to the meat of which things we should wait more than others and how much.
0: Mm-hmm. This year seems to have um, some things that haven't really happened before. And in particular, I'm thinking about Parasite. Of course, Roma is a foreign film um, getting into the sort of bigger categories last year. was a bit of a predictor that maybe the Academy is opening up more to foreign films and things like that. And Parasite just seems to be on a run. How, do you, how are you looking at that? with your method. Yeah, it
1: would would be historic, there's no doubt. We've had 92 years of the Oscars uh, and we've had zero foreign language films go on to win. Uh, Parasite, however, getting those six nominations that it has, uh, getting the best picture nomination, the best director nomination, uh, best editing nomination, these are all key predictors. It could win for best screenplay as well and that's another category that's closely related to best picture. Uh, And so my model is not discounting the fact that Parasite could win just because it's a foreign language film. Because the fact of the matter is, there have been many foreign language films over the course of history nominated in other categories, but relatively few for best picture. And so the math doesn't necessarily knock it down too much because there's not much data to tell us either way. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay, so how accurate are you before we listen to your predictions?
1: Sure. So through the eight years before this that I've done this, uh, the nominee with the highest percentage chance goes on to win 77% of the time.
0: That's pretty good. <laughs> okay, so... We'll see how it goes this year. Yeah. So looking at, is it a particularly difficult year or is it the same as always?
1: Uh, it varies by category. Mm-hmm. I would say that in terms of the top categories, the ones we'll get into... Uh, it's actually one of the easier years because many of the precursors were aligned, but in terms of the down ballot categories, I'd say it's one of the toughest years in the nine years I've done this.
0: Okay. Um, I wanted to start with best editing this year because in my sort of, uh, knowledge editing is one of those categories that people say that, um, you have very often editing with you if you're going to win best picture. Um, is this true and what are your thoughts on editing this year?
1: So what I found in the book was that best editing nominations are extremely important. They're so sneakily important that they actually are more important than a best director nomination in terms of correlation with best picture. Uh, Now, getting a nomination and getting a win are not necessarily the same thing, which is to say that a best editing nomination is really important to winning best picture. A best editing win, not quite as related. Ah, Uh, And so... Because of that, the math actually, very slightly, has Ford v. Ferrari on top for Best Film Editing, which is not one of the frontrunners for Best Picture. It only got four nominations, no directing, no screenplay, no acting. Uh, But splicing together all those intense car racing scenes right now might be enough, but Parasite is right behind and The Irishman not too far out of it either.
0: What does it mean that 1917 didn't get editing? Because that's one of the major frontrunners for Best Picture, right? Right.
1: Right. So that's a fascinating and unique sort of case. It's very reminiscent of Birdman five years ago, uh, where that was the first movie in a quarter century that won Best Picture without that key film editing nomination. But everybody sort of gave it a pass because it's a tracking shot. There's less editing to be done when the movie barely edits. At least that's
0: what they're saying.
1: At least that's what they're saying. Uh, And 1917 can make the exact same argument. Uh, that said, the math still does knock down 1917 in the best picture race because of its lack of an editing nomination. It still could have been editing eligible and it just wasn't nominated.
0: Okay. Okay, Let's hit those. So what you're saying is you think right now you're thinking Ford v Ferrari.
1: Right. With parasite right up there with it.
0: Okay. So let's hit those screenplay nominations, original and adapted. What are your thoughts there?
1: These are hard. Uh, these really are going to come down to a coin toss in both categories. So looking first at original, uh, you have Once Upon a Time in Hollywood seemed to be pretty firmly in the lead for a good chunk of Oscar season. It won the Golden Globe. It won the Critics' Choice. Uh, And then all of a sudden at this final weekend, Parasite won the Writers Guild, where Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was not eligible, since Quentin Tarantino is not a Guild member. Uh, But then when they went head-to-head at the BAFTAs, Parasite won again. Uh, And suddenly those two key, key wins right on the verge of the Oscars actually put Parasite just barely ahead of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in my model. Uh, As far as the adapting side, this is a very similar race where you had two coming down to the wire. It was Little Women all the way down the stretch. uh, And then it went head to head against Jojo Rabbit twice and lost both times. Jojo Rabbit won the Writers Guild. Jojo Rabbit won the BAFTAs, uh, and that puts it ahead of Little Women in the final standings. Mm.
0: And in terms of original, I mean, um, it feels like Quentin has won that a couple times, hasn't he? Or at least once, right?
1: That's right. Actually, if he were to win, uh, it would be his third, which would tie the all-time record that Woody Allen has for original screenplay wins.
0: Right, right. Okay, so I'm sort of just from – I'm on your – on. even though I'm not doing it through math, I'm thinking Parasite and Jojo Rabbit for my ballot right now. That's, that's sort of my <laughs> –
1: Okay, so you're in line with the numbers right now. I am,
0: I am. Um, and <laughs> cinematography, it seems just from the buzz that it's a sure thing for Deakins, 1917. Is that what you're thinking too?
1: Yes. Uh, now, the the down-ballot categories I mentioned are harder this year than usual, but uh, this one is probably the only one where all the precursors really did align. And Roger Deakins, you know, he was famous for losing all these Oscars. He had been 0 for 13 for his first. Thir- First thirteen nominations, but all of a sudden he won for Blade Runner twenty forty nine a couple years ago, on pace to win for nineteen seventeen, and starting to make a name for himself as a winner.
0: <laughs> starting to make him name for himself in the industry, I thought you would say. It's like, uh, uh... No, I, I think once you're
1: a once you're a fifteen time nominee, you're well so past too. that mark. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I want to do a few of the sort of below the line ones, one that I think is really hard is sound uh, production design. Um,
1: yes, because this... there,
0: I'm going back and forth between the rebuilding of Hollywood in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and then that incredible house in Parasite as well as the trenches in 1917. Those are sort of the ones I'm going between as a layman. What are you saying?
1: Well, uh, fr- from my perspective as a film watcher, those three were all just extremely impressive to me. Uh, I-, I think it was a particularly strong year for production design, headlined by those three. Uh, but the math likes Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Not as a sure thing, but the recreation of Hollywood, perhaps it's because of nostalgia and what have you, but it's been winning some Guild Awards. Not all of them, uh, but it's been winning enough critic awards in this category that it's the current frontrunner.
0: Okay, interesting. I thought you were going to say Parasite on that one, but then we know I like Barbara Ling has been on my show, so um, I'm ha- oh, nice. happy for her. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about, it I tends to be... Um, Double, uh, the same movie that wins in the two sound categories. Do you see that or do you see a split this year?
1: Uh, Right now, both are really close in between the same two movies. Uh, But the math has the same for both because, like you said, we've seen the same movie win both more often than not. Uh, So it's a battle between 4B Ferrari and 1917. Uh, And I'll say on this one, this is where traditional predictors tend to disagree. Most of the folks online who do this without math are picking 1917, but the math gives the slight edge to 4V Ferrari. It won the Sound Editors Guild. It won the Cinema Audio Society, which is the Sound Mixers Guild. Uh, and that puts it ahead, even though 1917 won the BAFTA for Best Sound. So it's a close one.
0: But the, the, yeah, because that that whole thing that one talks about is if 1917 sweeps, um, the that you talk about sort of the sweepier, um, would that mean that it would also take those? And if people are just loving 1917 and it best picture, it's more likely to get all those below the line as well?
1: Yes, there is a rising tide lifts all boats phenomenon at the Oscars in terms of a movie getting a lot of nominations, if it starts to win a lot of them. Uh, if I were able with the Hollywood Reporter, where I publish my predictions, uh, to constantly be rewriting my article in real time <laughs> and reposting it after every award. Uh, say, for instance, that the night started out with production design, and 1917 were to win that category, that would give it a bit, a bit of a boost in every other category uh, because it is an indicator that voters liked that film. Uh, and so, yes, uh, if we see other non-sound categories early on going for 1917 that could be enough to put it ahead of 4 b Ferrari in both of them.
0: And what about visual effects? Are you thinking 1917
1: there? Uh, actually, no. Uh, this one is the single closest race of the night, according to math. Oh, uh, wow. but 1917, 1917 is just a fraction of a percentage point behind Avengers Endgame. Uh, so 1917 did win some awards late, but Avengers Endgame was dominating through the early critic awards which don't get quite as much weight in my model because they're so early in Oscar season. But collectively, there were enough of them that it is just barely ahead.
0: Interesting. Um, now, makeup and hairstyling is another one of those categories that I just seemed all I hear is bombshell. Is there yes, any other uh, one in contention?
1: <laughs> there, there is. Joker is in contention as well uh, for you know a very different but equally memorable makeup work. But Bombshell, the way they were able to perfectly recreate those Fox News personalities, which was rather remarkable, has been widely honored across uh, precursor season to the extent that there are that many makeup honors. Uh, And so Bombshell is definitely the favorite.
0: And costume design, you have a whole bunch of different, um, you have sort of uh, little women with a certain uh, type of costume as well as sort of more modern and Mark Bridges for Joker. What's the thinking there?
1: Uh, this one's close between three, uh, so the math is liking to varying degrees. Little Women, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Jojo Rabbit, but it's Little Women that has the highest percentage chance to win.
0: Okay, and the song categories?
1: Uh, best song. This one's not quite as close. Uh, it's looking like Elton John uh, for Rocket Man uh, is probably on top. For I'm Gonna Love Me Again, though, Into the Unknown from Frozen Two, and Stand Up from Harriet. Both reach double-digit percentages as well.
0: Okay, here I tend to. uh, One of the things that I've sort of learned is that the very powerful, the more sort of powerful and and melodic song tends to win here. So I'm I'm actually thinking stand up from Harriet has more of a chance than Elton, who's actually won before and is more of a pop song and stuff. But that's just sort of gut feeling.
1: No, it's it's very fair, and it's a category like all of them that have on occasion seem upsets. Uh, it's, it's no guarantee. Now the upsets have gone both directions in terms of, is it the more ballad like, is it the more pop like, uh, so we'll see what this year provides.
0: Okay. So, um, Original score, I here we have two cousins against each other, Randy Newman right. for Marriage Story and Thomas Newman for and seventeen, who's also one of those who's been nominated and nominated and just is not winning. And they both seem to be um, losing to Hildur Gudna's daughter for Joker. Is this true?
1: Th- this is. Now, 1917 uh, is pretty close, uh, but it is Joker that's currently on top, Uh And, uh, I'll leave the proper pronunciation to you over in (laughs) Stockholm. I think you can handle that a bit better than my American tongue could. Uh, but, but yes, it is Joker that currently is in the lead.
0: Okay. Well, that'll be interesting. Um, finally, before we hit these, um, actors, let's talk about documentary and animated because international feature, I, we don't even have to, that's parasite, right? I mean,
1: yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, we can get into it, but yeah, yeah. It's Parasite. I mean,
0: I'm thinking that that um, I loved Almodovar's movie, but he. See, it seems a little bad luck that he came the same year as Parasite because right. That
1: just... Sometimes there's just a juggernaut. Roma was the same thing last year. Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
0: So animated, I thought that that it seemed like all of a sudden, Missing Link and Klaus were winning a whole bunch of stuff, and they weren't all that talked about when you had the huge juggernauts of Toy Story and Frozen's not even in there, Frozen 2. Exactly,
1: right. If, you, if you'd asked me before the nominations what the top ones were going to be, it would be Toy Story 4, which had been winning nearly everything. And Frozen 2 at least was getting a whole bunch of nominations. Uh, but then with Frozen 2 being left out, Toy Story 4 vaulted to the lead. Uh, Missing Link and Klaus have come up to second and third place with their recent wins, Missing Link for the Golden Globes, Klaus for the BAFTAs, but it's still Toy Story 4 that's held on to what's now a more modest
0: lead. Mm -hmm. And documentary... I have to I watched Forsama a couple weeks ago and I don't think I've cried so much <laughs> the past the past uh, you know year or so so if, if that's a factor of sort of getting you emotionally that is definitely the win for me what are you saying that uh, oh, also- for sure
1: and there are plenty of examples of of just heart-wrenching documentaries that have gone on to win and this we've seen the same thing else in the short categories mm-hmm. that a lot of real tear jerkers have gone on to win but Uh, Right now, it's American Factory that is just barely ahead. Uh, In addition to Forsama, Honeyland uh, is also a very strong contender, getting the nominations uniquely for both international film and documentary feature, much more likely to win the latter category. But American Factory is out on top.
0: Yeah, because and that's the Obama produced documentary. Exactly. I guess is the only is it the only one in this category that's an, uh, an American in English?
1: Uh, I believe that's correct. Yes. Is that
0: a factor at all or in this category? Uh,
1: no, I actually have not looked at that. It's a very interesting question um, in terms of if uh, in the best documentary category, there's a bias towards that. Okay, I don't know.
0: So, so I gave you a new one to look at next. All week.
1: right. Some, <laughs> something to research for 2021. I like it.
0: Okay. We're going to get into the big, I guess it's six here. Um, f- the actors category seem to be a lock. Um, I'm just going to run through what, what the lock is that actor in leading is Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, Actress is um, Renee Zellweger for Judy. Supporting um, is Brad Pitt and actress is uh, Laura Dern for Marriage Story. Is there any upset that you can see here and why?
1: Boy, it's hard. You have to squint. It's really in the same (laughs) bucket. It's in the same bucket as Parasite for best uh, international feature. It's, you know, what What would have been the strong contender would have been if one of the Golden Globe winners, because they split their winners in two for the leading actor categories, if one of them had been nominated, but Taryn Egerton for Rocketman and Aquafina for The Farewell not even being nominated, means all the major winners are just concentrated in those four names that you listed. So could there be an upset? Of course. These percentages that I publish are not ever zero or 100%. Upsets can happen, uh, but... You have to look pretty hard to find them in those categories.
0: And if there's an upset, where is it most likely?
1: Uh, Looking through, barely, the math would say that Scarlett Johansson for Marriage Story uh, is the most likely of the other 16 nominees in the acting categories that we didn't discuss. But these are not high percentages. Rest assured, Renée Zellweger for Judy is the very strong frontrunner.
0: Okay, so those four we can be, we can we can do it. What about, this is the most difficult for me this year. I am going back and forth between director and best picture. Like, I don't know what, because I'm thinking are people going for 1917 and sort of the more traditional route or will actually Parasite get in there? Is it going to be a split? Is it going to be Bong in director and that one in best picture? Or is it going to be, oh my God. And then all of a sudden, well, maybe Jojo Rabbit will even get in there. What are your numbers saying?
1: (laughs) And the irony, of course, for any predictor out there is they can get, if it splits, they can get the two movies right and still get both categories wrong. If you say Parasite in one and 1917 in the other, and it flips. Uh, But the the math is actually going with the much more traditional, which is to say uh, that the same movie will win both, which while we've seen a separation of that in recent years across the span of Oscar history, these categories are still very tied together. Uh, And it likes 1917 for both. Uh, it won the Directors Guild, it won the Producers Guild, it won the BAFTAs, it won uh, the uh, one of the top two honors at the Golden Globes for drama, as well as the Golden Globe for Best Director. That's a hefty Oscar resume. Mm-hmm. Now there are others that can make strong cases to be sure. Parasite won the Best Cast Award at the Screen Actors Guild, despite not having individual acting nominees in a bit of a unique situation there. Uh, you also had Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, won the other Golden Globe and won the Critics Choice Award. So, it's not quite a completely dominant run through award season for 1917, but it's enough that it puts it in first.
0: Now, the best picture category is sort of a different type of voting because there you have the preferential right. ballot. How much does that, and that's where the voters are actually putting ten all or the nine nominees in order of preference instead of just saying, this is the one I like the best. How does that factor in?
1: So the main way that the math reflects that is the percentages tend to just be a lot more confident in categories where there's a good track record of things going according to math because the numbers say oh well this category is easier to predict so the front runner is more likely to win uh, and so despite 1917 being the best picture front runner my model actually only has it at 37 percent i mean that's well below 50 meaning that even if it's the most likely winner You would not take it against a coin toss, right? The others, you would take the field, as they say, over 1917, whereas Best Director, that's not the case. Sam Mendes has a 55% chance to win, so he's actually more likely than the rest of the field combined for that, because in Best Director, the Directors Guild has been a fantastic predictor, so even just that alone gives him a hefty boost. In Best Picture, we've seen upsets. We've seen upsets recently. Mm. The different ballot system is part of that. Uh, and that's why it's hard for a front runner in Best Picture to be that high.
0: So, what is your not your math brain, but your heart telling you about Best Picture?
1: Uh, my heart. Oh boy, <laughs> uh, my my prediction. This is my prediction, as opposed to my preference.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: My, my prediction is nineteen seventeen, uh, going in line with the math. Uh, intuitively, I feel that parasite and once upon a time in hollywood are perhaps even closer than the math would say they are but not so much closer that i would actually have either ahead okay Uh, so i would predict 1917 but i can't say that any of the nominees can rest easy going into sunday
0: right so you think there could be a split it could be mendes director and parasite takes best picture could be a scenario
1: Yes. And I think if there is a split, and I had to guess how it goes down, it's exactly that. It's Mm -hmm. Mendy's for director, and it's Parasite for picture.
0: Because that is what happened last year, for example, right?
1: Exactly. Roma uh, winning Best Director and Green Book winning Best Picture.
0: Right, right. Now, is there anything I have sort of forgotten to ask you about about this year that sticks out for you?
1: Uh, This is a fascinating year. Uh, We're so used to films that come in with double digit nominations being ready to run the table. And then for the first time in history, we have four films that reach 10 nominations. And so uh, you'll notice I haven't said the word Irishman once. It's got 10 nominations and isn't favored right now for any of them. It's close in some and could win, uh, but there's a chance it gets completely shut out. Uh, And so to have not one, two or three, but four potential juggernauts on the day Oscar nominations are announced uh, makes this one of the more fun years to predict.
0: Okay, but now do you have an Oscar party?
1: Uh, I did every year in college. At this point, uh, I've become so invested in my live tweeting for my Ben's Oscar math account. I tweet out constant stream of trivia facts uh, on every presenter and award and how the predictions are going. Uh, that Now it's become a one-man operation, and I'll be, be very intensely focused on the show uh, on my own.
0: Okay. Well, and, and no one wants to go up against you, right? <laughs>
1: uh, I don't <laughs> Uh, Well, well, at this point, all my predictions are public online. So anyone who wants to to (laughs) grab them as well is welcome to.
0: Ben, thank you so much for taking your time. It's going to be exciting to follow you uh, as opposed to other pundits and just sort of see where the math leads us. Thank you for taking your time with me. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much to Ben Zosmer. His book, Oscar Metrics, The Math Behind the Biggest Night in Hollywood, is available now. And thank you so much for listening. We'd love to hear your predictions. Get in touch on Twitter, at Culture or at Christina Biro. And please subscribe to Pop Culture Confidential wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have a moment, leave a review. This episode was edited by Julia Scott, and I'm Christina Yerling Biro. See you next time.